Happy Valentine's Day. That's a loaded expression, right? I don't care how old you are, where you are in your life. The words Happy Valentine's Day come with a lot of mixed feelings, a lot of mixed emotions for all of us. Whether or not you have a partner, you don't have a partner, whether or not you're married, single, dating, not dating. And, and it's such a false nonsense. Valentine's Day, you know, is always one of those holidays. I just wish it wasn't here. Even if you have a partner, there's this, what do I do? How do I celebrate it? It's this expectation of romance that is sort of, you know, it's unattainable. And if you don't have a partner, you feel a sense of loneliness. I know one of the things I did for years when I didn't have a partner is I celebrated with my children. I've always given my children a, a Valentine's Day card or a little gift because they are my great loves and continue to be. Because I don't think Valentine's Day is just about having romantic love. I think if you're going to celebrate, it's a little bit of a cheesy holiday, but you want to acknowledge love in your life, whether or not that's a family, a sibling, a children, a friend, etc. So I think love should be celebrated no matter what. And I think love gets celebrated differently as we age, right? I know I celebrate love at 67 very differently than I dreamed of what was Valentine's Day when I was younger. And if I really think about it in my 67 years, 17 of which were married, you know, it was never such a great holiday. There were perfunctory flowers and cards. There was, you know, dinner, but it always felt sort of contrived. It didn't feel genuine. I'd like to think, and I have had far more romantic times on days other than Valentine's Day, far more genuine, far more organic, far more sincere. So let's take Valentine's Day for what it's worth. Let's celebrate it, but let's really focus on love well beyond Valentine's Day. We celebrate our second anniversary of Heartbreak and Hope. Welcome to Heartbreak and Hope with Pat Barbarito, the show that explores how to build up or break down any relationship with confidence, clarity, and compassion. I'd like to celebrate Heartbreak and Hope today by talking about my work as a divorce lawyer, because I get a lot of questions about that. People ask me all the time, what have you learned? What can you tell me about the process? I've been divorced. So I could talk about divorce not only as a divorce lawyer for 43 years, but somebody who's had that experience. And there are a few things that I've learned. When I think about the top things people should know when they're going through the process of divorce as a divorce lawyer and somebody who's had this experience. The first thing I want to share is people always say, how much is it going to cost? What am I going to end up with economically when a household is split up or a marriage ends? And and, and I urge you to think not only about the cost of divorce from a legal fee point of view or the economic realities of splitting up a household, but there's a tremendous emotional cost associated with divorce. And both of these costs have to be evaluated, taken into consideration before the process is started. Legal fees are a reality and having less money as a result of divorce is a reality. I don't care how much money you have when it is divided in an equitable fashion, you have less. Two people live together less expensively than you live apart. When you're setting up two households, two separate lives, it's expensive. And legal fees are not inexpensive. That's not a secret. And those are realities, financial realities. But there is also the emotional cost. And when I talk about the emotional cost, what I mean is how much is it going to cost you emotionally, psychologically, 
spiritually to go through the divorce. You know, just by way of an example, I may be at a point in a case with a client where I say, at this point, we could settle the case for this much money. And it's a fair resolution. However, if we go to trial, you may get this much more. It's what we do, right? But if that trial is going to take another year to conclude because the court system does not move quickly, you have to really examine, is that year of my life worth that much money? That's the way I look at it. Is a year of my life living with this pain, this unsettled feeling, this uncertainty, this sometimes anger, is it worth whatever more money I may get? And I will tell you, that's a very, very serious consideration. Yeah, it's very different when you're dealing with custody of children, of course, because we would all go through any pain we need to to do what's in our children's best interests. But when it comes to finances, and I I think people look at this differently as they get older. You know, in your 60s, you may look at a year of life not worth that extra amount of money. In your 40s, you may. So I really urge people to examine their emotional cost, their emotional health, their emotional well-being when deciding to move forward. I generally encourage people to get involved in some kind of a therapeutic relationship. This is hard stuff. Going through this alone is hard. You know, loneliness is an epidemic. We're going to talk about that this year on one of our episodes. And going through divorce alone Uh, is particularly isolating, you know, and it's unfortunate because there's a lot of shame with admitting that you're going through divorce. So the very thing that we should be talking about and connecting with, we don't because people are embarrassed. And, And when I say talking about it, I don't mean complaining or bitching or moaning or being angry. I mean, you could be those things. I mean, understanding that you're not alone and there's a community that is also going through this. And I I'm a big believer in community matters. You know, I've been listening. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've been listening lately to Anderson Cooper's uh, podcast about grief. And if you know him and you know his story, he's had profound grief in his life. He just uh, did a phenomenal episode with Stephen Colbert, who also had a tragedy, uh, losing his father and brothers when he was 10 years old. And one of the things that I've learned in listening to that podcast is that when you share grief or sadness, Some of the pain doesn't go away, but it does dissipate. And I believe the same thing is true with with divorce. And and with divorce, you know, you're either in one of two camps. You're either in the I'll never get divorced, I'm happily married camp, or I'm going through it and it's gut-wrenching and I'm isolated. And I think that if we could form community, not to complain, but to understand that does lessen the pain. It makes us feel less lonely. I wish I would have done that when I went through my divorce, but because of what I do for a living and because I felt that that was something I couldn't share, and that's why I talk about it on this podcast, because I've learned that sharing is healing. And for me, this podcast has healed me in many ways. There are many people who get divorced understanding that that's the best thing for both of them. However. Nobody gets married thinking their marriage is going to end. Nobody stands up there and thinks they're going to have the end of a marriage. Nobody stands up there and exchanges vows thinking it's going to be over. But as I've said often, marriage always ends. Somebody either dies 
or you get divorced. It's going to end. If somebody dies, that's a different ending. But if you get divorced, somebody's made that decision. Even if you both made that decision, it's an unbelievable disappointment. It's the death of hopes and dreams. One of the first things that people generally ask as they're going through the divorce process, you know, I want justice. I want what's fair. I want what the case law and the statutes permit me to get. I want the best deal. I want what's best for my children. And I applaud that. I uh, advocate for that. And I want that too for my clients. But my experience has been that justice doesn't necessarily happen in a courtroom. That's a very sad commentary. And it, you know, I was practicing law a very long time before I really got that. Uh, there's this false assumption that if you go in front of a judge and you tell your story, what you perceive as justice will prevail and all the wrongs in your life will be righted and, you know, everything will be okay. And this is the reality. If you're married to a bad person, a judge isn't going to make that person good. If you've only accumulated a certain amount of money and you each only earn a certain amount of money, judges don't print money. They don't come up with money that doesn't exist. And they don't figure out how you're going to live your life. Recently, I had a client who said to me, well, I need this much money. I read, he said, I read in Forbes magazine that a person my age needs X amount of money to live. And I said, okay. He goes, well, can you tell the judge that? I said, yeah, the judge doesn't care about that. The judge cares about how much money you have accumulated, how much money your spouse has accumulated, what your lifestyle is. And the judge cares about a lot of factors. But if you haven't lived your life a certain point and come to the court with that information, they're not going to wave a magic wand and create a new life for you. And, and the reality is, is that the end result is often not one you think is just. My job as a divorce lawyer is to get you a better situation, a better resolution than what happened in a courtroom because it's more cost effective. If we have to try a case, of course we try cases. Of course there are times where you need judicial intervention. That goes without saying. But it is naive to think that a magic is going to happen in the courtroom and all the bad things in your life are going to be rectified uh, because that's just not reality. So most divorces are resolved through negotiations. The trick is to make sure you have an early consultation so you could strategically plan the divorce. So you could get, and you should get, a very just result. But that doesn't always happen by going in front of a judge. It often happens by planning, setting up strategies that will in order your benefit, uh, negotiating forcefully, gathering information. Those things will get you a just result and should if you have a lawyer that knows what they're doing. But this idea that a judge who knows nothing about your life, who has many, many of the cases that he or she is addressing, who is not going to have the time and energy to drill down generally, the idea that they're going to give you a better result than can be negotiated is, is a bit of a naive understanding and perception. When I think about divorce, you are grieving the death of a promise. Even if you're grieving that without anger, even if you're grieving that and still have a connection to your spouse, you are grieving the death of a promise. 
and the death of hopes and dreams with a person. And that's heartbreaking. But there's a lot of hope that comes after that. And I believe that with every fiber of my being. I believe if we continue to push forward through that and evolve emotionally, physically, spiritually, in every way, better things will happen as a result of that experience. I don't suggest that it's always a fairy tale afterwards because there's a lot of pain. But the truth is that you either stay stuck, and people do, or you evolve into a new life, one that maybe you never really saw for yourself, but it is a big world out there. And there are so many communities to join, partners to find, work to do. That's my favorite part of my job is when years later, and after 43 years, I've seen so many people through the cycle and they reach back out. A lot of people have reached out since the podcast, which has been lovely, and told me how they're doing. And not to my surprise, they have reinvented themselves. It doesn't mean that that pain went away. It just sort of accompanies them in the right little part of their body and heart. It sort of stands next to them and they've learned from it. That's a blessing sometimes. I mean, my history, whatever pain I've lived through, and look, people live through far worse than the end of a marriage. So let's be realistic. But it's my friends sometimes because it gives me perspective on what to appreciate now. And I'm much more grateful for my life on a daily basis now than I think I would have been had I not gone through the end of a marriage. When you end a marriage, you know, there are certain things that happen that maybe you didn't think would happen. And, you know, you enter this arena, this world, and become a member of a club that's really not familiar to you, especially people who've been married a long time. You no longer identify as married. You're not married. Your former in-laws, your family, people you spent Christmas and Thanksgiving with and celebrated holidays with, they're no longer your family. No matter how amicable it is, people generally, not always, stay committed to their family member. So these people who you've spent holidays with, birthdays with, celebrate all of life's events, they're polite strangers to you. Some of your friends, many of your friends, if you have not been able to maintain your friends during your marriage, fade away. You know, there are people who just have couple friends. They fade away. Life changes. But, you know, you find new friends, you find new community, you find new outlets, and that could be exciting. I, I think that's exciting. I think it's exciting to explore new experiences that you wouldn't have done when you're married. You know, many times when people are married for a long time, they become a couple and they do things as a couple and they lose a lot of their independent relationships. So the hopeful part is if you could look at it as exciting that there are many more things to explore, you know, that would be helpful. One of the things that I think is extremely helpful when people feel alone or, you know, when the, the sands are shifting beneath their feet I think one of the things that's helpful is to go help somebody. Go join a, a community that needs your service, your advice, your help in a soup kitchen, your help with tutoring languages. Just find people who need help because when you offer yourself, you get far more back. It's a great way to feel not lonely, to feel fulfilled, and to find relationships that maybe you weren't looking for. But they are fulfilling and it's it takes away from that burden of sadness. And I think it's, you know, you you find a new community and I, I would encourage that. But 
you're not married. And that changes people's perceptions of themselves sometimes. People have this notion that one day you're in court, the judge slams the gavel and you're divorced, right? That's the feeling. Like, okay, I'm divorced. The judge said I'm divorced. That is the day the divorce decree is entered. Divorce is the end of a marriage by a thousand cuts. Divorce is not that day. Divorce is your first holiday without your spouse. Divorce is the death of your former mother or father-in-law and you don't go to the funeral. Divorce is finding out that your former spouse is sick and your heart breaks for them, but you can't help them. My personal experience was the day of my divorce was not a day of celebration. Let's not kid each other. It was a sad day, but my marriage was going to inevitably end. I had accepted that. But I do remember as the years evolved, my mother-in-law passed away. Uh, My former husband became ill. That's when you realize you're not connected to these people anymore. And people that you would have helped, that you would have been there for, no longer need you and you don't feel the same way about helping them or being part of their lives. So divorce is sort of death by a thousand cuts, divorce by a thousand cuts, I say. And it takes a long time to be divorced, even though you may have had a judgment divorce entered. I was fortunate in that because I continued to practice law and I didn't get married until I was well into my 30s. I had established and maintained independent relationships. That was a blessing and that was my saving grace. That's not always the way it is. But even with that independence and with those independent relationships, when my marriage ended, I had to find out who I was. My suggestion and what I did is I tried a lot of new things, none of which included dating for 10 years. Every weekend, I would make a plan of some sort to see some friends. I took dance lessons. I read. I joined groups. Sometimes I just was by myself, but I tried to figure out who I was. And most of those didn't work. But little by little, by baby steps, I began to figure out my passions and who I was. I started understanding that it was okay. I would go out to dinner with my couple friends all the time. Again, I was fortunate because I had maintained my independence. But you, you know, you zig and you zag, you make a lot of missteps. But you eventually find your way and you will. And all you have to do, one word of advice, you got to just keep moving forward. You have to get out of bed. You have to move forward. You have to do something every day if it's going to Target, but you got to do something every day. And you've got to get up every day and you've got to have purpose every day. And the purpose has to be something other than suffering in the misery of the end of your marriage or your children, quite frankly. I gave myself the gift of not forcing myself to do things that would make me uncomfortable. There were weddings that I was invited to and events, and I made cautious decisions. There were some times where I thought, I can't do this. I don't know anybody here, and I'm fairly social and outgoing, so I wouldn't go. And I would be honest with people who invited me and say, you know, I'm just, I can't do it right now. I was honest. I was really honest. I'm not comfortable going to that wedding, traveling alone right now. Sometimes it was okay. And sometimes I came home. I couldn't wait to come home, put my pajamas on. Sometimes it was success. Sometimes it made me lonelier. Sometimes it made me realize there was a whole world out there and I better stop feeling sorry for myself. I just moved through it. You know, 
you have to go through it. Because if you don't, it's still going to be there. But if you go through it, you could find meaning in it. And I think a hopeful life. So at the end of the day, I think what's most important is that we have to accept that we are always evolving. The word pivot always comes to mind. I couldn't have planned so many things in my life. Some good, some not so good. I think the end of my marriage, if I think about it, that was inevitable, but I certainly didn't intend for it to happen. But by continuing to evolve and accepting that life is going to look differently, you do begin to create a life for yourself. And the way I think of it is if you could relax into the change and not resist it and go with it, good things will happen, you know, sort of like not resisting the ocean, kind of going with the flow so you don't drown. And for years, when my marriage was not in a good place, and that was many, many years, I fought against it being a bad marriage, but I was exhausted. And when I finally accepted, this is not a good situation. You know, my my former husband was very self-destructive. And instead of trying to hide that and fight against it and fix it, I realized I should accept it. And, you know, if I didn't, I was going to stay stagnant and unhappy and sad and miserable and unhealthy. So I went with it. And I can tell our listeners that for me, I'm lucky I'm healthy. I'm fortunate at my age to be healthy. Uh, But my life is better now than it was. I now live a really honest version of my life. It's authentic. I'm physically and mentally healthier. I'm less afraid because I stopped trying to control everything and I realized I can't. And boy, is that liberating. When I set out to do this podcast, my intentions were and remain that we are going to go on this journey together. I look forward to hearing from you with any ideas, with any suggestions, anything you want to talk about. But keep in mind that we're going to get through these challenges together. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Please give us a five-star rating and leave a review so more people can listen in to Heartbreak and Hope with Pat Barbarito.